Hello, and welcome to Open Door Playhouse, a theater podcast that celebrates live theater on the podcast stage. I'm Rachel Bernie Needleman. At Open Door Playhouse, we strive to bring our listeners thoughtful and surprising 10-minute shorts and one-act plays that showcase insightful and new perspectives of the world we share with others. Open Door Playhouse is a 501c3 theater organization. Support for Open Door Playhouse comes from listeners like you. Your tax-deductible donations help keep our plays on the podcast stage. Donations can be made at www.opendoorplayhouse.org. Now, before we move on to our play premiering in Theater 93, I would like to announce that Open Door Playhouse proudly presents the premiere of a new musical, A Falling Star at Buzzard's Roost, on June 13th. Sponsored in part by Shore Audio International and produced by Stage for a New Age. June seems to be the month for musicals on Open Door Playhouse, perhaps a trend. Now, onto our feature presentation. Now playing in Theater 93, How We Heal. Written by Amanda Recupido, directed by Rachel Bernie Needleman. Starring Monique Gonzalez as Andrea, Camila Mean as Mom, David Purdom as Dad, and Peter Bonoff as Max. Yoga saved my life. It brought me back to myself, caught me present in my body. It wasn't just a way to work out. It was a way to listen to my mind, link breath to movement. Did you know that you can tell your body to relax with your mind? After a certain amount of practice, you can make your body do just about anything. You can Balance on your head? Fall asleep faster? (laughs) I once thought I'd get so good at yogic breathing, I wouldn't need an epidural when I had kids. (laughs) I also learned that if something's out of balance in your life, you can probably trace it to one of your chakras. There's a reason people talk about getting them in alignment. Take, for instance... The root chakra, the one I'm sitting on. It's all about your identity. For this chakra, we say, I am. For its chant, we say, I grew up pretty normal, but... Every kid thinks their experience is normal. Thinks everyone's parents say things like... Why can't you be like Lindsay? Lindsay doesn't talk back to her mother like you do. Lindsay always tells her mother everything. Or... You're a reflection of us. Everything you do and say outside of this house is an extension of our family. And no matter how much I followed their rules and got good grades, if I asked to do something, the knee-jerk reaction was... No. Why not? Because I said so. I don't need a reason. I'm your father. What I say goes. As I grew older, 
I started to see cracks. I probably would have liked to work or had another child. But you know your father. You'd be so much prettier if you spent a little more time with your hair. Why are you wearing that? What about the shirt I laid out for you? Mom, I'm 16. You have no respect for me. The Sacral Chakra, symbolizing sexuality and creativity, meaning I feel. Um, In early high school, I started dating my first boyfriend. We'd talk for hours on the phone about the stupid things teenagers talk about. He could hear my parents screaming at each other through the phone during these conversations. So much it scared him. But at least I finally had a witness to what was happening in my home. My dad stayed at hotels a few times. They almost formally separated. But they always stayed together, for better or worse. Once, I asked my dad what was going on. He only told me, it's more complicated when you have kids. So I channeled my feelings into writing. I filled notebooks with bad poems, like teenagers do. I tried to stay out of the way, remain invisible. What is this? What, are you going to be a poet? You're going to need a real job. Oh, is she going to cry now? You are so emotional. It's just a joke. Get Get over over it. it. The solar plexus, self-esteem, its mantra, I do. We chant. I'm a senior in high school. I sit next to my friend Brian in English class. We're seated together a lot because our last names are close together alphabetically. I've known him since freshman year, but sometime in the past year, Brian changed. Now he says stuff like, you've got bad panty lines, you need to start wearing thongs, and you're such a prude, I'm going to teach you. Admittedly, I was super Catholic at the time, but it's not like I was completely naive. Brian knew I had a boyfriend, Derek, who was off at college, which was why I was surprised when he started to... When he... When he put his hand down my pants. Stop it. Don't. Stop. I kept inching away. He only kept moving closer, even sitting on the floor next to my chair so he could get a better angle. We were watching a class movie. Our teacher was out of view due to the desk arrangement. I looked at the people around me, 
but they kept their eyes staring straight ahead. It's like they all wanted this to happen. It's like they were all in on it. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to cry. I wanted to scream. But I also didn't want to draw any attention to myself. Don't judge. I sat down next to him. I let him. This way, I could make myself believe I wanted this. This way, I could be in control. Because I couldn't explain it any other way. The heart chakra. Love. Yum. I didn't know how to tell Derek what had happened with Brian. I wasn't even sure what did happen. I thought it was my fault. I thought I had asked for it. I had, after all, let it happen. So when I told him, I told him in the way I had processed it myself at the time. I said that I had cheated on him. I thought maybe he'd asked me what was wrong. I didn't expect him to hang up on me. I didn't expect him to call me awful names, the one no woman ever wants to hear. I didn't expect he'd break up with me and immediately start dating someone else and eventually marry her. <laughs> it was just another thing I couldn't control. Another something spinning away from me without my even understanding what had happened. When I told my mom, she blamed me for it. Oh, that poor boy. You broke his heart. He broke up with me. Well, you must have done something. The neighbor said she saw you at the movies kissing some faceless guy. I didn't. Oh, I can't even look at you. She didn't speak to me the entire summer before I left for college. Oh, I was finally leaving home. I could finally start all over. Except, I would never be able to escape what had happened. The throat. Communication. I speak. Um, in college, I don't tell anyone what's happened to me, not even my roommates and best friends. I drink way too much, more than anyone. I'm the life of the party. Guys want me, but not to date me. I major in English. I win a poetry prize. I become editor of the Campus Literary Magazine, but I still can't get the words out that I need to. This follows me to New York. I meet a man, finally, it seems, who wants to be with me. But he can see right through me and uses my weakness. Subtly, he controls me. If I hang out with my friends for too long, I don't love him. So I rush home from my evenings out to prove to him that I care. If I spray perfume to run errands, I must be cheating on him. Of course, 
I'm sensitive to this. So I let him accompany me to prove my innocence. He follows me everywhere. He never lets me out of his sight. If I get text, they must be from men, he thinks. But I show him, no, look, it's just my mom. Or work, or friends, women, friends. If he fails at work, I don't support him enough. If I don't hang out with his friends, I'm not making enough of an effort. I am never enough. But of course, I already knew this. My parents had been telling me this in one way or another my entire life. When we move in together, things escalate. I don't cheat on you. I don't hit you. So why can't you be happy? He's right. He doesn't do either of those things. And I don't know why I'm still not happy. I'll never be happy, it seems. I finally found someone to love me, and I'm still sad. You're not as strong as you think you are. And he's right. I'm not. I'm incredibly weak. I don't know how to be strong for much longer. Your parents don't understand you. Your friends aren't real. I'm the only one who gets you. He was right about that, too. My parents and I were still fighting and not speaking to each other. He makes me question everything about myself. Everything I'm doing is wrong. I'm wrong. But if I dare stand up for myself? You know how much I pass up for you? If I try to leave? If you leave this apartment without me, you're not going to like the looks of it when you get back. If I upset him when I do make the choice to leave, not just him, but New York entirely? Please, don't come to my going away party. I'm going to come there and ruin it. I don't tell anyone about this comment. About all those awful texts he sent me constantly throughout the day. I know now I should have gone to the police, that it would have been enough evidence, that the statistics are there, that I was close enough to becoming one myself. I should have changed the location, but part of me didn't want to cower in fear. So instead, the entire time, I kept my eyes peeled on the door. I made note of where I could run and hide, what I could grab and throw. In the end, he didn't show. What did you mean when you said that? Let's just say you're lucky I didn't have a gun. <laughs> After a certain point, his words didn't hurt me anymore. I could see them for what they were. I couldn't believe I had allowed myself to be treated this way. But it can happen to any of us, I realized. And the only reason I'm here and others aren't is purely a matter of luck. Third eye. Intuition. I see. Um, it didn't start with the obvious, what we consider textbook abuse. It starts much sooner than that. Brian, you assaulted me. I never called it that, not for 18 years, because I thought assault had to be penetrative, brutal, 
a stranger jumping out of the bushes. But not recognizing this for what it was kept me from getting help. It made me blame myself. It made me susceptible to more mistreatment. It wasn't okay. <laughs> it wasn't okay, Max. I wasn't okay. Mom and Dad, <laughs> and you didn't care. You blamed me. Well, how were we supposed to know? Are you telling us we were bad parents? I'm okay. I was always okay. The crown chakra. Awareness. I understand. Healing. Forgiveness. Our plays are produced by Bernadette Armstrong, recorded at Oak House Studio in Altadena, California, mixed and designed by our talented sound engineer, David Peters. Post-production sound effects are provided by Audio Jungle and music from Karaoke Version. If you are interested in submitting a play for production, you can find that information on our website, www.opendoorplayhouse.org as well. Please share this podcast with friends and don't forget to subscribe so you'll be notified when our next production is live.